Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I'm Joe Connolly. Today, you'll hear about ways to run your business better from a startup coach who has been quoted in the New York Times, who has worked for a startup, who invests now in startups, Alyssa Cohn, who's also lectured at Harvard and Cornell, too. Alyssa, how do you know if you should have a business coach? Uh, first of all, hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, the answer is maybe two things. One is that you recognize that you're not getting the results that you're looking for from your small business, from your startup, whatever it is. So you're hoping to get certain amount of sales. You're hoping to attract certain kind of customers or reach certain market segments, and it's not working. And even though you have a good team and you're doing goal setting, you can't figure out what's not working. That's a great time to bring in a business coach to help you identify uh, and, and diagnose what's missing and help you build your skills to do it. The second thing I would say is that anybody doing something for the first time, they don't know what they don't know. And it's very helpful to find a coach who can help you navigate the areas that you don't know. Interesting. Is there a difference, Alyssa, between not working and not working easily for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, first of all, if something's not working, you've got to solve it and you've got to get it working. If it's not working easily, you know, on the one hand, business is tough and just, you know, reaching high goals and aspirational goals is hard. But if it seems like it's harder than it has to be because somehow your team is not really rolling in the same direction because people aren't doing their jobs, because people aren't meeting expectations, um, those kinds of things you can still reach your goals, but like, gosh, it's so hard. It should be easier than that. And you should be thinking about how you're leading your team to make it easy so you're not going across those headwinds. That's an interesting differentiation. The founder of a business with a couple of hundred employees in manufacturing, I'll never forget it. He told me once, it should not take a Herculean effort to get every day's work out. And, uh, it's <laughs> You know, true. it sounds like if you're, just pushing a boulder uphill every day, you need some help. I want to mention before we get to producer Neil A. Caruso with his questions, I, I really like something that you do on your website. And I think it's under about us. Mm -hmm. And rather than saying we'll do this, that, and everything else for you, you describe the person, the client who would need your customer. And I found it so effective. 
for instance, you don't say, you know, we can help you or call us if, but you say you started out with a dream to build a company to create something significant, but now you don't have the time for the things that you know are most important and you never feel ahead of your to-do list. That must generate a lot of calls for you, Alyssa. <laughs> well, thank you for, for those nice words. Um, I try to practice what I preach and I personally try to be very client oriented because my job is to help my clients understand and then ultimately solve their problems and also help them assess where are they, where are they going and how to get there. And the answer is for that particular one, a founder uh, is a certain breed and I love founders and I think founders do recognize themselves in the work that I do. Neil. So, Joe, you and I both looked at the website, and what stood out to me was, Alyssa, you wrote about influence, and I'm going to read what you wrote there. Influence is the way you get others on board and sell your ideas. How do the most successful business owners reach that holy grail? Oh, well, uh, we're influencing all the time. So think, people think that influencing is about talking. It's not. It's about listening. It's about understanding the point of view of the other people around you, um, so who you're trying to influence. So rather than the brilliance of your idea, you understand the agenda, the aspirations, the motivations of the people around you, and you speak your idea, your need, whatever it is, into that into that space, into into their listening. That's like the number one thing about influence. The second thing I would say is that. People think of influence as an event, like I'm gonna to try to talk you into this right now. Influence is a process of getting to know people, understanding the landscape, understanding the dynamics, and then positioning what you're trying to get done, the ideas you're trying to sell into that context. So Alyssa, obviously we're in a very precarious time in business. Startups often rise out of recessions, but, but how do you make your business sustainable? If you see a new opportunity right now, how do you make sure that it's sustainable for future market needs? Well, that's very interesting. I mean, we're living in this, as you said, unprecedented time. And um, just to say, we can't really predict the future. So all we can do is really think about, do the best case, the best thing we can to hypothesize and research what the future is gonna look like. And the thing that we're building can't just be okay for today and for this year, it's gotta be able to evolve over the long term. One, one example I'll give you is that, um, you know, if, if you're doing kind of, if you invented a, or, and are now building a startup around a new way of doing COVID testing that's quick and easy, that's fantastic, but that may not be the market need over time. You've got to expand that to think overall about doing testing of other kinds of things so that people can get the information they need because they don't necessarily need to know forever if they have COVID, but they do need to understand important health information about themselves over time. So that's one example for you. That's a great example of looking downstream, as they say. Go back and just say a little bit more about influencing starts with listening. Would yeah. You, what do you mean? Well, um, People are not persuaded by the brilliance of your ideas, even though we wish that they were. People are persuaded because they feel met and understood, because they feel that their agenda and motivations and aspirations are in some way uh, captured by the thing that you want to do. 
So when people tell you this, you have to listen. You also, people also will do things for you. The number one reason people will do things for you is because they like you. That's the truth. We don't like to hear that, but that's the truth. So when you listen to people and mirror back what they say, that is the way people begin to start liking you, appreciating you. And that relatedness is going to help you sell ideas, even if they're a little bit controversial to the person that you're, um, that you're talking to. So that means that you can't, and this is an exaggeration, just go around issuing instructions, even if people like you generally, because you have to wait. You can't just tell people what to do. You can't just tell people what to do, even if you're the boss. And that's a big wake up call for people. They think, oh, I'm the boss. I'm the founder. And I should be able to tell people what to do and they should listen to me. Well, guess what? They don't do what you want them to do just because you want them to do it. And if they did, they're not really the best workers because you want people who are innovative and creative and resourceful. You don't want just like compliant order takers. So the problem is that as the, as the CEO, as the founder of any kind of company, your job is actually to be the chief listening officer and the chief influence officer because you've got to get people all around you all the time working together with people they may not like or they have sort of political agendas with. You've got to manage the, the stakeholders, you get customers involved. It's amazing all the influence challenges you have when you thought you were the boss and could just tell people what to do. I'm actually reading a, a book written by Dave Ramsey about leadership within a company and, and developing leaders within uh, your firm so yeah. that they they think like entrepreneurs. Yeah. How do you train business owners, coach them on making sure that their employees think of your business as their own? Well, first of all, it's helpful to hire people who have that mindset as a starting point, right? That you want to hire people with an owner's mindset. The second thing is give them ownership. And the third thing is, applaud their creative ideas, encourage them to do appropriate risk-taking, applaud the risks and what they've learned, because ownership is also about the idea of learning and creating a better organization. So when you actually reward those practices, that helps people do them over and over again. If people are afraid and they're going to get punished and also they're constantly being like micromanaged, they have no freedom to maneuver, they're not going to feel like owners. Alyssa, from a business point of view, how have you done something that a lot of business owners dream of, and that is getting big companies as clients? Um, well, let me think about that. The answer is that you have to, first of all, decide in your mind's eye that I'm going to do this. So when I, I started as a coach 20 years ago, and my first client was an individual who hired me for, I want to say, $250 a month, right? So like, that's not sustainable. I knew that what I wanted to do was to start working in companies and you do a lot of things. You let people know that you want to work inside. You want to have corporate clients. You network with people who can bring you into corporations. You might do a workshop or two for free. In my case, I got originally um, asked to uh, do a, a training, a, facilita a, a tr facilitated training inside of my first corporate client, EMC. Um, because I was a CPA, I still am a CPA, a recovering CPA, <laughs> and they wanted me to teach business acumen. And I thought, well, if I teach that, that's a foot in the door. And I know that I'll be able to work my way into the leadership curriculum, which I did six months later. 
And then some things never change, right? Some things never change. You get your foot in the door and you go, boy, boy. Yeah, and you take that social proof and then you keep building upon it, right? So one thing leads to another, but you have to decide that you're going to make that happen because, you know, what I have found is that nothing just happens. You got to make things happen. So Alyssa, for those who see new opportunities in this economy right now, what would you caution against? If you, well, first of all, um, I would caution everybody all the time about not taking on more risk than you can afford, right? So you have to have a backup plan so that you know if things go south, you can always support your family. That's like very important for people. Um, The second thing I would say is that if you think something, this is what I think entrepreneurs get into all the time. They think they have this brilliant idea that no one's doing it. Do enough research to recognize that if it was a brilliant idea, someone else would be doing it. And if no one else is doing it, it may not be a brilliant idea. So maybe test yourself like two, three, four times to make sure you really have the idea that's going to um, take off. And then I would caution you against trying to, in the startup world, people kind of raise too much money too quickly. And there's a fast rise and a fast fall. So I would caution you against that as well. Boy, that's some good advice right there. Finally, there are so many stories, videos about brand building. Yeah. And I look at them and there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me as though build your brand Mm -hmm. means, it simply means that brand means your reputation, right? Mm -hmm. Build your reputation. So Mm -hmm. I'll ask you to close by giving us a good example and a useful example of how to build your brand. Okay, let me ask you a question. As a solo entrepreneur like me or like a company like the the folks who are listening? Let's help the solos and startups. Okay. Well, uh, I understand what you mean when you say brand can just be fluff, but I would say this. You've got to start by having some substance. So as a solo entrepreneur, it's very helpful to share your ideas on a blog, get published, and over time get published on more and more um, prestigious and and high-end publications so that your ideas have merit. Share your ideas with the people around you so that they can benefit from your ideas and then also pop, uh, pass opportunities to you and build your social proof so that like at, what that means is the people who have already hired you are kind of endorsing you. That's what I would say to solo entrepreneurs to build your brand over time so it's based on a solid foundation, not just a whole bunch of fluffy talk. That's a great example. You're known by the company you keep. Yes. And build on that. Say, I was on WCBS. I lectured at Harvard. Right. People say, oh, wow. And there it is in one sentence. It has been so enjoyable to talk to you, Alyssa Cohn. I uh, hope to meet you in person someday. Likewise. Thank you very much. Thank you both for having me. It was great to be with you guys. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.